podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Life's too short to settle for the same old things. Whether you're picking up a new hobby or checking out that hot new restaurant in town, Movement keeps your look and lifestyle fresh with sleek, ultra-clean watches at a price that won't break your budget. With a wide range of fresh modern designs and industry-leading materials, life never gets old with a movement on your wrist. Make your everyday sidekick for life's adventures a movement watch. Get 20% off at MVMT.com with code SLEEK. That's MVMT.com, code SLEEK. A Celtic state of mind. As you know, I'm Paul John Dykes. The man to my right on the screen is Brian Degnan. And there is plenty to talk about. There is absolutely loads to talk about. I'll be sitting in today, uh, but the Wednesday lineup on a Celtic state of mind's bulletin uh, going forward will be Kevin Graham, Brian Degnan, and Colin Watt. They will be your regular contributors on a Wednesday. Yesterday, we had our new Tuesday team, Brian, with Declan, Paddy, and Lawrence. And of course, on a Monday, it's Amy, Russell, and Tony. Um, I will be uh, on the bulletin on a Thursday, so I'm not going away entirely, but um, I think the variety of opinions is extremely important, Brian. And that's what I want from you today. Uh, the headline, what would be deemed a successful season for Celtic under Ange? The reason I'm asking that is, you know, after the Livingston game, um, directly after the Livingston game, you're disappointed. I've had time to reflect. I've not changed my mind on it. I was hugely um, disappointing, but I don't think hugely critical of Ange Postacoglu. What I'm, what I'm trying to say this week is it is time now that the responsibility uh, of the manager um, has to be focused on. It's not as though he is blameless. In no walk of life, Brian, do you go into any workplace as a manager um, and because of what has gone before or legacy issues, you're bulletproof for a season or two seasons. These are the kinds of things I've been hearing all week on social media. No one is suggesting that Anne should be sacked. Absolutely not. There's no knee-jerk reaction. 14 games isn't knee-jerk. It's, it's, it's an amount of games that you're able to analyse and you look at the data. Um, and the most important part of that data is the results at this moment in time. I'm asking, what is a successful season? I'm, I'm hearing a lot of fans coming on saying that, you know, we can't expect to win the league. This is, well, it's not an expectancy, but I want to win the league title and, and winning half your games isn't going to give us that. So I think it's only right to focus on Angie's part in what is going wrong at this moment in time. And let's hope, obviously, that it gets it right. And there's Kevin coming in to save the day. How are you doing, Kev? Not too bad. I'll throw it over to you before we bring Brian back in. The, the big question, obviously, today is how do we actually 
gauged success this season. I mean, I've heard a lot of people, uh, I'm not saying writing it off, but they're expecting Celtic um, not, you know, to be in touch and distance by January. And if we win the league, it's almost a bonus. I've never approached a season, and in particular in the last 20, 20 odd years, I've never approached it with that attitude, Kev. I don't think we're, I'm approaching it with that attitude when I say that I want us to compete. I think the way I consider it is at the moment, at this precise, at this, at this moment in time, if you look at the, what the club has done since February, since Neil Lennon actually left, then I think we, we are where we're meant to be and we are where we deserve to be, considering the lack of planning and the mess with Eddie Howe, the quickness that Poster Coglu's had to come in, the over the 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 churn in the squad, the demands of playing a completely new modern style of football, which is even more, which is different from a what even Brendan and different what Brendan what different what Brendan brought in, and also completely different to what Neil Lennon implemented in the last 18 months. I actually saw it called the the, the pie and pint culture, which, which was brought back to the club, which I found quite amusing. Unsure whether that's true or not, but yeah, I, I did have a little giggle when, when that came in. Um, we, we shout for change as a club. We shout for modernisation as a club, mm-hmm. and when it gets a bit bumpy, some of us, some some of the support decide that they don't really want change because it's a bit too difficult to actually pallet. And I think we need to watch here. For me, I've got a massive fear. I've got a massive, massive fear. I want us to challenge for the league title, and I'll, I'll remeasure that in January. What my expectations are for the rest of the season. At the moment, I, I'm not happy where we are, but I kind of expected us to be in this sort of state of flux at this precise moment in time. Mm-hmm. But my but my biggest fear is if Postacoglu fails, the whole modernisation of Celtic fails and the board revert back to type and they say, that doesn't work. We'll go back to what we know, the tried and trusted and the fact that the fact that you've got somebody like Gordon Stratton hanging about doing a review of stuff, eh, doesn't they sit well with me at this precise moment? At this precise moment in time, you could also have an argument that the fact that Don Mackay has now left for whatever reason it is. If you were being really cynical, you would say, well, maybe, maybe the modernisation that Mackay wanted to bring in the board are just going to reject stuff like that, eh? You know this, Kev, and welcome back, Brian. We will be running an extra five minutes at the end to make sure you get your <laughs> one-hour fix of a Celtic state of mind today. Um, a few technical hitches, but we'll get over it. Hopefully that's the, the story of this season, Kevin. A few early a few early issues and we'll get mm-hmm. over it. A um, couple of things you said there. Reverting back to type, haven't we already done that with well, regards we'll probably- to the CEO? I probably have been. I think I says on the first of September that now that the transfer window had finished, this was the age, the age of Ange and Dom, where mm-hmm. everything that they do next they're accountable for. Within two days, Dom's out the door, and you're gone. Well, where are we? The only person that's changed in the football club since February last year, apart from the players, which you would expect, uh, yeah, the players, which is which is, is Ange Postecoglou. Yeah. Nothing else has changed. And 
Postacoglu for me, I've seen a lot of people comparing them to Mowbray and Barnes. I don't think he's got that cut of that jib. I, I, I don't see that in his personality. But for me, if Ange concedes anything whatsoever, whether it be sports science, backroom staff, whether it is players that he wants to bring in, whether it is even con- changing his style of play or philosophy because he's having doubts about it, then he's not the man for us. He can't concede anything if we want to move forward. You know, when you were talking earlier there, Kev, about us requiring um, a new approach in terms of modernising the, the football club, I think everybody on a Celtic state of mind accepts that. Um, a lot of Celtic fans who get involved in the comment section accept it. But surely you can do that. You can modernise, but still put a successful team on the park. Surely you can modernise and still put a team out against the bottom of the league team, regardless of who they are, the worst form team in the league, and get a result. Definitely. I mean, I was on the post-match on Sunday and I said that was actually brutal. Uh, that was that was absolutely rotten. It's the worst. It's the worst performance that we've had under had under Postacoglu. And I think Postacoglu and Joe Hart, when they came out after the game, understand. They says, "Well, it's no point playing great football if we don't get results." We didn't even play great football on Sunday. We still couldn't grind out that result. Yeah. And and Postacoglu owned that. He says, "I know that is a results business." I mean, he's a manager with 25 years' experience as manager in a World Cup. He knows that results are the be-all and end-all. But how he's going to go about getting those results, I don't think you'll see him deviate much from what we've already seen. On, on Sunday, um, and he seemingly you're not allowed any excuses for losing the team in the, bo- the bottom of the table, which is fine. We had six players on that part with, under 20, with a total of under 20 appearances for Celtic. We had players on that park who were experiencing the Thursday Sunday flip mm. for the first time as well. If we weren't in such a state of chaos and flux and having defeats and transitions and stuff like that, Sunday would probably would have been written off as a European hangover game because nothing went right. We looked tired, but because of the bigger picture, it's not getting written off. And for me, I. I I was uh, I was quite happy that what Postacoglu says after the game. He actually showed that he is a realist and he says, I know that results actually matter and these need to improve for us to progress in any shape or form. Eh? So he owned it. I wasn't happy about the performance right enough, but I'm glad that he came out and utterly owned it. And this is not me saying that Postacoglu is going to be a success. He might not be, but what Postacoglu was a, a beacon of modernisation, modern football, modern attacking football is something that I'm clinging on to and I need to cling on to going forward. And that doesn't mean I'm not going to criticise him, but if he fails, I fear for the football club. Well, we, we will talk about that if and when it tra- transpires, Kevin. Brian, I'm going to come to you because you've been sitting there patiently and as I say, we will be overrunning another five minutes to get that full hour. Just one point. And I don't think we've shared this, but one point on the Dominic Mackay exit. And this doesn't mean that you're good at running a football club by any manner of means, but there's a lot of stuff happening 
in terms of engaging engaging with fans and engaging with fan groups. Someone brought up the award ceremony and we're very proud and privileged to be attending that next month. But when it was announced, one of the first people that got in touch with Axom, Kevin, was Dominic Mackay. I know. Directly. And I shared all that with everybody in the, the WhatsApp group. Um, he was genuinely pleased. He wished us all the very best. And it was a matter of days, I guess, before he was away. Um, so that, that shows you that he was trying to engage with fans. We've also heard stories on this broadcast where he's phoned fans at home. He's actually phoned people at home. And this was before he was in, in position. Um, and he's, he's spoken to fans that way as well. Would we get that from Peter Lowell? No. We wouldn't. But it doesn't mean to say that Peter Lowell's any worse at the job. It's just the one tiny aspect of that job being fan engagement. Will the fan engagement kick back in? Let's hope it does, Kev. Brian, you've been waiting patiently. Uh, you've got loads to say. We're looking at what would be deemed a successful season in, in Angie's debut. And I keep repeating this. No one, uh, certainly on, on this broadcast, has said at any point we want Ange to fail. No one um, wants Ange to be sacked after 14 games. Uh, we've ran parallels, I guess, with some previous seasons and, and how they've worked out. You know, people have been mentioning Kev, uh, Tony Mowbray, John Barnes, but the one manager, manager's reign that I keep going back to is Vim Janssen's. You know, and we know how that ended up. So th- there are two sides of this. What's your thoughts at the moment, Brian? Well, I think, first of all, apologies for the, the dodgy Wi-Fi. Um, but I think... Comparing it to other seasons is almost a false equivalency because reality is this is a this really is and it's not a branding thing, but it is a season that's so different from any other. I don't think there's been a Celtic manager inherited the chaos that Postacoglu's inherited. I mean, he's 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 excellent at games in the season, fourteen games in, I think, and he's still not getting an assistant manager or you know a first <coughs> He, he works with, he's only just got a sporting director in. Well, we say he's got a sporting director in, a sporting director's come in. There's still no recruitment structure in place. Um, you know, we're hearing reports that the guys that are there kind of keep up with his training. He's, he's, he's fighting fires everywhere he looks. You see the CEO that's supposed to bring him in and has now left. I mean, the club's, the club's chaos in every department. He's trying to... On top of all that, he's also trying to bed in 12 players who don't know each other, who don't know the players that are already there, and get used to a system in a time frame where he's also had to try and have Champions League qualifiers, Europa League qualifiers, an old firm game, and Tynecastle and Livingston where we struggled previously. There's no comparison for that. There's not been a manager inherited that amount of chaos ever. It's Celtic, I don't think. So I think context is incredibly important when we look at Postacoglu so far. Because some people say, that, you know, I've heard people saying, well, I don't care what goes on behind the scenes, I just care about the play in the park. And that's all well and good, but one informs the other, right? If there's chaos behind the scenes, if there's no structure in place, the, the players kind of get the proper training, the proper fitness they need, the proper advice they need. They've not had that time scale either. It's bound to have an effect. So it's not any excuses for the performance against Livingston, which was dreadful. But what I'm trying to say is, when we look at post Coglu and what he's inherited, it, it has to be taken into account that it's madness behind the scenes and it has been for a while. In terms of this season, I, I've said before, I, I see it as a, a, you know, I think it's 24 months project. I don't think any manager coming into Celtic would have hit the ground running. I don't think anyone in their wildest dreams could really realistically say we're going to win the league this year. 
you know, that now that's not saying I don't want to win the league or I don't think we can, but for me it's no one expectation I have. I think that it well, there's too much needing to be done. For me a successful season would be winning at least one cup, I think you can do that. I don't see that being an issue. Um getting the team playing consistently well, getting a structure in place with, you know, a, if we're going to direct a football or technical director route, we each head of the department function independently, reporting into him, having the manager and the CEO liaison um, and, and liaising with each other and moving on. Because then if Postacoglu was to go, at least that structure's still in place, at least continuity now. Because if Postacoglu was to leave tomorrow, that would be devastating for this football club. Not because he's the messiah. He's not even a naughty boy, but purely because... He's uh, it would just leave us in a state of absolute anarchy because mm. even a new manager came in, Pep Guardiola could come in tomorrow and not do any better, I don't think. Because there's just no, there's nothing in place like any other football clubs have. It's, it's really baffling to me that we're not taking this into account more. Um, and I, I just before I hand back, just my thoughts on the Livingston game, also dreadful. I never saw the game live, I, I looked at it in horror afterward and I looked at the stats and stuff and one of the interesting things people spoke a lot about the need to you know he has to change his ways he can't play the same all the time and expect different results and that is correct to an extent but I think it was Declan yesterday um, called out a, a start which I found really interesting and in that he put more crosses into the box against Livingston than any of his teams have ever done mm. in a game so it showed that during the game he was saying right we need to try and get direct balls into the box and try and get Ayeto in the end. So he is obviously changing during the games. It just didn't work. So I think this idea that he's no changing, he's no adapting, he's no willing to adapt. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Um, tactically, or game management-wise, I think <coughs> I think where he won't adapt, as Kev has said, is his approach to how he wants football to be played and the, the way he changes and the way he wants the club to move forward. And I don't think he should adapt to that. He should change that either because that's what's, as Kev said, that's what's going to take us, hopefully, to another level. See, see, if, see if you look at the three away defeats that we've had this season. The Hearts game, I think, just came far too quick for us, but we still had chances to win that game. The Rangers game at Ibrox, I thought we were not aggressive enough. I, I think there was there was a change of mindset went into that game with Juranovic going to left back, coming in. I think we were very tepid in that game and we weren't aggressive enough. Never moved the ball quick, quickly enough and never believed that we could win that game. Even though we eventually had chances when we went one nothing down. 
Sunday is completely on Ange. That was a complete and utter mess. That that, that nothing was Definitely working that cool. day. We were we were sterile. We, we were tepid. We were uninspired. And these were all words that he used in his post match as well. And he actually says that we weren't aggressive enough until the mindset changes in the football and the team that he can play. Uh, that we have to be aggressive from the off, no matter who we're playing, then we're, we're, we are going to get away performances like that. But again, that, for me, that's a mentality within the club that's got to get changed. Also, that's as going well, to take time, right? That's going to have to be fostered over. A, a, you can't change that instantly. So uh, oh, oh, I, I agree with everything you're saying, but I think it's, it's you know, oh, oh, if he didn't bring in in February when Lennon left, then maybe they'd have had that understanding, bro. But we're still on this kind of sliding time, time scale. Also, for me, and, and I'm going to bring him up for this, there, there was a wacky options on the bench, but there was two good options, the two guys that haven't let him down this season, and Ralston and Montgomery, and why they never ended on the ended up on the park at any point is the biggest puzzle, along with Ball and Golly coming back in for the cold. But I, I don't know. They're, they're the three puzzling things for me at Comfy Sunday, and the, the, there is questions to be asked and answered about that, but I'm not giving him a free ride. Like Brian, like I says, if he was to go even in the next four four months, we're in a state of chaos once again. Oh, yeah. And yeah. that and that's why I'm praying to whatever God I need to pray to that it works. Well, listen, a uh, couple of points on what you've said there. First and foremost, Kevin, this is what Anne said. Irrespective of what I think about performances, we've still got to get results, and that's the reality of it. So it's as simple as that. And that, I think, is what has been a frustration for a lot of people, where the free-flowing, um, free-scoring, fast-flowing... It's been so long since I said that, I can't even remember what the saying is. Uh, football that we expect from Ange is secondary to winning the game. You win the game first. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking about the uh, philosophies of various managers who have come into the club, Kevin. I, I said this weeks ago. And how, you know, when you look back through the old Celtic View archives and John Barnes has gone on about a philosophy and Tony Mowbray's gone on about a football utopia. That was his exact words that he mm-hmm. wanted to create at Celtic. You look at Martin O'Neill, he talks about success. And it is about success at Celtic. You, you look at Brennan Rodgers, he's talking about success. That That is paramount. And everything else, I think, is decorating that success with a style of football and the entertaining football that we all, uh, I was going to say, know and love. It's been a while since we've had it. Um, but the other point I'm going, to, I'm going to pick up on, and I guess that is the whole purpose of that strap line today, is what Brian said. Uh, around um, the expectancy. He, he has no expectations, Kevin, and a lot of Celtic fans are saying this at the moment, of Celtic winning the league this season. Now, if that was to be the case, uh, the aftermath of that is quite a grim prospect for Celtic. Now, uh, I think yesterday the, one of the strap lines that was used was around the fact that obviously the annual um, results come out in terms of the finances. It shows that we need to obviously start uh, rebuilding the financial element. And and by the way, 
it could have been a hell of a lot worse and it has been a hell of a lot, a lot worse. Declan made a great point yesterday that, you know, had it not been for the loyalty of the Celtic supporters, uh, then it would have been a hell of a lot worse. Um, we don't ever get any complaints when my camera drops out, Kev. It's just normally when the mic <laughs> drops out. Um, so when, when you're looking at that and you're looking at the bounty at the end of the season, I think it is a, a grim, grim prospect should Celtic not win the league this season. <laughs> Uh, on the face of it as a grim prospect but then in football how many how many clubs do you see that get an embarrassment of riches and just waste it and you look at us you look at us against Betis we stood up to the plate us against Livingston Livingston outdone us the, and the, the resources of the clubs are all completely different so one in, so getting that bounty doesn't necessarily change things as long as the structure in your football club is right and, and we're going in the right direction. We can we, and I, I think a lot of people want to want to see us going in the right direction. And at the moment we can't see that. I mean, would you would you trust like go back to last season or the season before, would you trust our scouting department with forty million pounds? Not based on last season, no. No, you you, you wouldn't. And sometimes when you end up with that windfall, uh, you, 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 end, you, end, you end up like a drunk guy at a casino, just throwing money all about the place. That's my positive with it. But as you say, it looks grim. It looks grim because right away, whoever wins the league, your main rival actually gets into the Champions League and the riches, the riches that come with that. And it makes it easier for them to do business in the summer. Again, I would counter that. I remember Dick Advocate spending money. It wasn't Oh yeah, spending money. It was there. Uh, look at us. We we managed to blow a ten-year advantage in six months mm-hmm. with, with money that, like everybody says, oh, the money that Celtic have got the forty million in the bank. We had 40, 40 million cash at one point sitting in the bank. That didn't help us because as a as a account says yesterday, they made it quite clear. We're a football club to develop players and be and, and be praised on the transfer fees that we get for those players. At not one point during those figures did they actually say we want to compete at European competition. They says no, we want to make want to develop and sell players. Mm-hmm. That is how that for me, that was quite jarring when you actually see that written down in an official club document. Yeah, there's a few other bits that we'll talk about as well in that document, Kev. And by the way, uh, we are on the cusp of uh, 15,000 subscribers on YouTube. So thanks to every single person who subscribes to us, who tunes in daily, who gets in touch on the social media, who buys our merchandise that helps to finance the running of the studio and everything else that we do. This month, we have four Axom jerseys, one-offs. They'll never, ever be remade. They're a complete one-off, beautifully embroidered, old-school jerseys, concept jerseys, Kev. Um, And this follows the Fratelli's Platinum Disc, the Verve Platinum Disc. And next month is going to be a Bobby Lennox framed, signed print. And there are loads after that. I've got enough prizes to last us for two years. Now, just, we've got loads of people asking, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? Right, here we go. You can only comment at the moment if you subscribe to a Celtic state of mind for obvious reasons right so what I want if anybody wants this jersey right here behind me this is modelled on a Celtic jersey that was worn 
very, very few times in the 1960s. Um, there was an emergency situation. We're playing a European game, 1968. We're up against French opposition, and Umbro had to send us an emergency jersey. The first person, if you want it, to tell me who the opposition was that night wins the jersey. Does that seem fair, Kev? Seems now, very, very fair. First person to comments in the comments, and you go right, and um, nobody's commenting. So that might suggest that it's not not Jungle Line comes Ooh. in to suggest not. Every time somebody says not, I think of Le Petit Merde. So no, it wasn't. Oh, we might have a winner. There we go. Let me just see who said it first. The excitement is absolutely building. Here we go. It's not Leon. Sorry, Alan. It's not Leon. It's not Ren. Uh, yeah, we will ship anywhere because it's me that pays for the shipping, Meryl. So good luck on that one, mate, especially when it's a platinum disc. It's going to cost me a fortune. Um, someone has given me the right answer. I'm just going to try and figure out who gave it first. There's a Mark few. Campbell. Don't think there's anybody above Mark Campbell, Kev. San Etienne. So we played San Etienne at home. There was going to be a colour clash. Umbro, emergency delivery to Neely Mocking, Celtic War, this stunning white jersey with a green hoop on the neck, green hoops on the cuff. They wore it a couple of times afterwards against Clyde, maybe a few other opponents, but it, we, we called this concept jersey the Saint Etienne. Mark Campbell, you've just won the jersey. It's a complete one-off. And the embroidery is stunning, Kev, for guys of our vintage. It takes us back. Mark Email me at pauljohndykes at gmail.com or DM me or tweet me. Do anything. Just uh, get in touch so that we can get your address and we'll send it out. Didn't tell me you live in Zanzibar or the USA or anything. It's cost me a fortune in postage. Uh, no matter where you are, I'll send it out to you. There, there we go. Anybody else who's watching, get involved by subscribing. We're just going to give away prizes willy-nilly, Kev. It's going to get to the point, I think we've got like a month where I could probably give away a prize every day. So, brilliant. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. Also, now that I'm on the subject, um, we had a Facebook message from a, a group down south who are trying to get a group of guys fit for their mental health and they want to wear the green and white hoops. So, we're going to throw them some of the Axom hoops. If anybody else has old Celtic jerseys that they don't wear, they're quite happy for this um, group to wear down south. We can facilitate that. Get in touch with us. We'll put them in a box and send them down. I think it's London somewhere, Kev, and it's a mental health group. We'll publicise that on all the social medias as well. So get in touch and we'll send all the stuff down to the group to aid mental health. Now, one thing I was reading this morning, guys, was that um, Albion Ayeti may well be in line for a, a, a call-up to the, the Swiss national side. By the way, it would be great to see. Um, it would be great for his confidence. Um, but, you know, in looking at that, again, looking at the, the chaos that has been inherited um, and that Brian spoke about, we've got ready four strikers and we brought in two. Surprise, surprise. One of them's no fit, one of them's injured, and we have to run with uh, Albion Ayeti. And that is the issue, Kev, when you're looking at that bench against Real Betis and you're thinking, well, what changes do I make? Because very, very few options available to you, and certainly those of an offensive nature, there was there were not none whatsoever. How disappointed are you in the management of the squad? And this isn't a dig at Ange, by the way. This is beyond Ange. This is above Ange's head that we've managed to get into a situation where we've only got one fit striker. It is... Is, is, is it bad luck, bad management, or, or a combination of both? I think it is a combination of both, and I think the 
the differences in Ayeti's play and Furuhashi's play has probably been highlighted, has been more like put under the microscope, shall I say, because of Kyogo's absolutely fantastic start of the season. Um, and now Jakamakis could probably be fit. He might make an appearance tomorrow night. We don't actually know. Um, but it's you look at the number of forward players that we have out where you could maybe get somebody else to play a centre-forward role. Forrest has played through the middle. Abad has played through the middle. We've got so many forward players missing. And you have to have a look at the, the, the general structure of the club and go, why is that? Why have we got so many players who are picking up injuries? And hopefully the, the new head of sports science that's come in um, will, will alleviate some of that. I mean, we all know the way that Ange wants to play football is intense. So there could be times where we are going to be missing players through strains and stuff like that. Eh? But I didn't realise that Ayeti was going to get a call up to the Swiss squad. Ayeti's perfect if you put the ball into the box. You saw the goal. You saw you saw the goal against Betis when he managed to get in there. You saw his two headers against Ross County. Yeah, he's a waste of a jersey if you're not creating any chances. And that that was proved against Livingston on Sunday. He's a he's a type of guy that hangs about on the last man and wants chances created for him, and 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 he will get there. And from from what I've seen of Jack Jacko Marcus as well, he could be the exact same type of player. Just that I think he's slightly better in there. Eh? But Ayeti is a decent enough player, but only if he's getting the service. And against Livingston on Sunday, he never got the service. And also, he's pain that he hasn't got the energy. Uh, Kyogo, because we've, we've all took Kyogo to our hearts. You know, the, the thing with um, Ayeti that I've noticed is and, uh, normally at home with the wide expansive spaces at Celtic Park, when he picks the ball up and holds it up, Kev, um, you know, I'm thinking of other players that did that really, really well for Celtic. It, it, you can normally turn it into an attack. What I noticed with, with a Yeti is he holds the ball up, but then plays it back in a direction mm-hmm. that, that it came from. So he might get the ball from McGregor. He holds it up really well. He seems to have a fair bit of strength, upper body strength, but then he'll just play it back into that area. And there doesn't seem to be any of that link up. And I thought when, you know, uh, with the emergence of Abada and the arrival of Yota that, that might have opened that up a wee bit, but we didn't see any of that against uh, Livingston at the weekend. Now, the thing is, though, Brian, and what one thing I'm going to be taking from uh, the Ayeti situation, which I think is positive, up until now, you know, I know there was a wee flurry when he first came in last season. He's been one of the guys that isn't contributing, and now he is. So even when Kyogo comes back in, it's a bit like the Ralston scenario. You know, you might, he might not be your first choice, but you're looking on the bench and you think it's a solid second choice. Yeah, I think so. I think it, it, it's Kev says he's he is a goal scorer, he's a sort of poacher, but he's probably not someone that if he wasn't already at the club, I don't think he would have been brought to the club under Ange. So he's having to walk with what he's got really. And I think that's why you've seen a lot more crosses into the box against Livingston. I think they were hoping that something would be fault him because the way they were moving, it wasn't working for him. Mm-hmm. Um I, yeah, I think he's back up for, for Kyogo, but the difference with Alston, I suppose, is you know, when Juranovic came in, Ralston was playing really well and you thought, well, is he going to immediately drop out or is it going to be a kind of contest for them both? Whereas there's no doubt Kyogo was straight back into that team. Um, and I suppose that's the... It's both the worry and the positive, isn't it? The positive is that we've still got like him and McGregor to come back. 
Um, so, you know, it's they're it's not out for much longer now. But the worry with that is if they're no playing, we, you'd really see it. And I think, you know, funnily enough, we, when we were talking kind of at the start, the very start of the season, we were talking about where we needed to strengthen. Midfield wasn't somewhere we were overly sort of worried about. We were kind of thought, oh, midfield's all right, it's really forward lining back. Whereas actually now you're really thinking if McGregor's injured, you know, so I think Turnbull struggles with it, McGregor, if I'm honest. Mm. I think um, I think he the dynamic works really well, but I think he if he tries to do the McGregor role, can he do it? He's a different type of player. And Roger can he play two games in a week? It's impossible. It's as good as he's been. He can he do it? So Sorrow doesn't look as if you know he's no improved the way I was hoping he might have. McCarthy apparently is still really far off the pace. Liam Shaw's not been seen since pre-season. Ewan Henderson and I think Kieran McElroy. Unless there's a I'm seeing his surname right. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. They've not been seen either. So you wonder if, if you know, McGregor's injury was long-term or Turnbull. Say he gets suspended, the McGregor's injured. What do you do? Your midfield's totally short. And the way Postacoglu plays, he needs that midfield overload. So something that we weren't that concerned about before, but I certainly think we're concerned about it now. And I think, I would say, I still think that's more of a worry than anything up front, if I'm honest. I think that we'll still get goals, but I think we're struggling to make it work. We're struggling to make mm-hmm. it tick midfield now. Brian's probably right there. I mean, the two of the most disappointing players on Sunday were Turnbull and Rogic who have been there, seen it and done it and that when you, you were looking at them to help the new guys through and yeah. look, this is what it's going to be like it was almost as if the team had talked, them in, talked themselves into this is going to be a difficult game and we'll just need to fit our way into it, I mean Turnbull didn't do much on, on uh, Sunday near the Rogic and that was poor, they're the two guys you're looking to create for the middle of the park if your wingers are not going to create eh? and the two wingers were too easily doubled up on we had no whiffs from the full back whatsoever and we had nothing from the middle of the park and I think it was Lawrence that says yesterday, he made a great point. He says, why were we worried about McCarthy? We were playing Livingston, who weren't going to come out. It was a, it was the two creative guys that made a worry for him. And that, mm-hmm. was the same, that was the same as me. You know, when you're looking at Turnbull and Roger, Kev, you're right in what you say. They know the, the, the opposition, they know the park and everything else that comes into that. They know the fixture really well. But they're the two guys that I'm looking at to pull something out the bag when there's nothing on. And I've seen mm-hmm. Roger lining up a few times from distance. And that was a disappointment for me because it was that type of game where that might have been the only thing you were going to get to get that breakthrough. And neither of them, I know so I've got them listed, you know, Turnbull tried a few shots, but it was almost as if, uh, and I don't know if it is fatigue, but Tommy Rogic just held onto that ball for a split second too long and tried to take on one extra man where we're just hoping that he strikes the ball because mm-hmm. at that point, at least you're, you're making the, the goalie work, etc. Um, a wee point coming in here from Michael the Boy, when Kyogo and uh, Yakamakis are fit, 
does both play? Well, I don't think certainly they'll both play up front. I know that Kyogo has played out left and he played there at Ibrox and he was less effective out there um, than through the middle. And in fact, for the last 20 minutes when he goes through the middle, he's involved in three different chances in 20 minutes. So, you know, I don't think when both of them are fit that they will both play and I don't think that we'll be playing with two strikers. So that that would be my, my thoughts on it. Kev, what, what do you reckon? Ange likes the 4 3 3. And I think what will probably happen is Kyogo plays through the middle. And if we're struggling to break down a team, Jack and Marcus comes on as the plan B, and Kyogo moves out wide to one of the wider to try and stretch the game if we are struggling. And I think you might actually see that used in a lot of away games. If we are struggling to break down on tighter pitches, you might actually see that used. Well, I was I was looking at that Livingston game and it was reminiscent of, you know, the 2-2 game at Easter Road last season where we had absolutely no idea on how to break them down once we got into the final third. And it was the changes that day. I think it was uh, Griffiths that came on. It was the changes that day that changed the game and we, we managed to bring it back to 2 each. It was a late goal by Luxall. Um But we didn't have the options. This is a problem. We didn't have those options on the bench at the weekend. Brian, what's your thoughts? Kyogo and Yakamikis, do you think that they will feature a lot together? Or as Kevin says, you've got strength on the bench when both of them are fit? Yeah, I agree with Kev. I, I don't see any way they're, they're going to um, play together. I don't see... I mean, I don't see any way they might. It could be the case. Of, I don't think they start together. Certainly, they might find that as the game goes on, he he he, he brings uh, Georgios, as I'll call him. So that's easier for me to say. He, he brings a big fell on alongside him. Maybe. Um, I just wanted to pick up on a point Kev made about the mentality when he said about the players in their heads thinking this is a harder, it's going to be a difficult game. I totally agree, and I think this is why I'm so sort of pro Angie's method so I was watching the Alex Ferguson this seems like a weird comparison but I'll, I'll bring it back the Alex Ferguson documentary and he was talking about when he was in charge at Aberdeen and Aberdeen and the players were all celebrating a draw with Rangers and he said what are you celebrating for you've only drew because they had the mentality that, that was a great result and he says no it's not it's a good result if you beat them mm-hmm. and he changed their mentality to the point where well, look at the success they had right and said there's something weeks ago and it was about Celtic being underdogs and he says I don't like that he says because if their players believe they're underdogs they've lost the game before it starts because they've got in there thinking they've, they're lucky to win as opposed to we should be winning so you can see he's trying to change that mentality and this is one of my big issues with, with this idea that you know setting up we fight at the back and sitting deep against the European side and hoping you get a result because if you do that you never evolve your mentality never improves because you've got it in your head that you're not good enough to go out and play your football. That's why I was really um, enthused by the, the performance against Betis because, of course, we threw a goal to two-goal lead, which makes you apoplectic, but the fact is we, we went for it, we were brave, and we had that mentality change. And I say, it's just, it, it, I just wanted to make that point because it popped into my head when, when Kev was saying it, and I think that's something we have to remember. It's not just about Ange trying to get the, you know, want to play fancy football to please the fans. It's about make players always been brave enough so that they can go and impose their game on any opposition anywhere and that's the only way for me Celtic evolve you know it's a good point because it leads us into the next kind of section of the discussion Brian that's a mentality and I completely buy into it it's a mentality but when you get Celtic fans saying that you've got to win every season you've got to win every game all of a sudden we get called entitled I don't agree with that it's a mentality 
that you want to win every game. It's a mentality that you want to win every single league championship. I remember Frimpong leaving the club and some of the comments he made, you're looking at him thinking, that's the wrong mentality, kid, because you, we can't be second because second best, as Bill Shankly said, is nothing. Second mm-hmm. best in Liverpool is nowhere. That's what he said. Um, finishing second for me, Kevin, going back to one of your previous points, is not a highlight. When did that no, kind not. of nonsense start to creep into the narrative? I know that that is... I can't even believe that somebody typed that up on a Word document, sent it to how many departments this has to get looked at, and they says, should we really be putting that in? And that's a good idea to put in that a highlight is finishing second. That, that is dreadful. And going back to Postacoglu and what Brian says... Somebody in the comments says he says that before the AZ game about being uh, underdogs. And and you see the the comment that Paul read out after the Livingston's game, the reality is he's got to win football matches. And he doesn't go out there he doesn't go out there losing football, ma- wanting to lose football matches. He knows he's a football manager with 25 years' experience who knows if I didn't win games, I'm out here. Doesn't it matter the good that I'm actually doing? Doesn't matter what I'm trying to do. And I think Posta Coglu has got that winning mentality. And I just don't want him to give an inch with whatever he's facing with. I do not want him to give an inch because if he starts showing that weakness, that will feed down to the squad. And yeah. for me, the squad have bought into him. Whereas we, we compare them to Mowbray and we compare them to Barnes. We know ourselves, Paul, after you had that great interview with, Paul, uh, with, with John Barnes, the squad had never bought into John Barnes as soon as he walked through the door. He was always on a loser. It was the same with Tony Mowbray. But it looks at this thin group of players that we've got have bought into what Poster Coglu's trying to do. So you've got to hope it, it just ends up differently. But I think Ange has got that winning mentality. He just so is going. He's going to go. He's just going to go about it a certain way. He said that at the start, didn't he? Uh, Kevy said that you know it's important that they believe in what I'm doing. The players and, and getting bored, and he's of course he's got a winning mentality. He's won everywhere he's been. It's just he's no one at first. And this is the interesting thing in it because Celtic probably need somebody needed somebody to come in and steady the ship and restructure the place and, and keep sticking over. Instead, we went for a manager, an ambitious choice, but a manager that's never won anything right away. So. You're kind of, you're almost, you're getting, I'm getting what I expected from so far, which is inconsistency. And, you know, you can see a long-term vision. It's whether I think we as fans, supporters, can actually get our teeth and take some of these and, and, and push it through. But um, that being said, and I think he knows it himself, Flemington was a disaster, and that was probably on him, which is going to happen as well. Well, one of the things you mentioned, Ball and Golly, jump in, uh, sorry, Paul, to jump in there. You mentioned Ball and Golly, and where he wasn't the worst player on the park, you actually saw he knew where to be in the system. You, you saw that he knew to come inside and how to play that full-back role in that system. And I, I had a look at that going, for a guy who's not been seen since, I think it was West Ham, the West Ham game at pre-season. 17 months, he's not played for Celtic. Uh, like competitively, he hasn't played for Celtic, and uh, I say I think he only got one run out in pre-season. He understood what his role was. He understood where he was meant to be. It's not as if he's went on the part completely lost of what the shape of the team is. And I found that 
Like, I went, that's actually quite impressive in a day where we were absolutely woeful. That the, the, the players understand what they're trying to what they're trying to do in a shape, but on Sunday they just didn't execute it whatsoever. The ball and golly thing. Yeah, the ball and golly thing, Kev. You know, when it's difficult sometimes to to look at the individual performance of someone who has been in the bad books for so long, uh, when the the performance as a team was so dreadful. Uh, but I think that you know at least what we've got at, at this moment in time is a situation where you know Greg Taylor's out for a spell. Um, Montgomery will be disappointed. He'll be disappointed that. Um, he missed out on a starting berth. I think, you know, he probably was disappointed um, that he missed out at Ibrox as well. But regardless of that, we've got two left backs again um, who have both had uh, game time, who are now both options. Now, um, we're on a a very interesting number because we're on 14,999 subscribers on YouTube. So I wouldn't normally do this, you know, as the old adage goes, but I'm going to do it today because... We've got another concept kit and I just want people to subscribe so that by the time I come off today, that's not a very good shot of the colour. That's a lime green Celtic away jersey. Um, Look at the beautiful embroidery of a Celtic State of Mind's crest um, and also the word mark that was uh, nicked from Oasis. Uh, But they nicked it from Decca. So you know what I mean? Um, that's, That's acceptable. We'll give this away. That is based on, inspired by... And it's not a great shot. It's a much better colour than that. I don't know if you've seen it better. I've seen it, I've seen it in real life. It's a lime green. Lime it's green. Lime it's green. based on a famous game in 1986 that took place at Love Street where uh, everybody knows the scenario where obviously Hearts had to get beat from Dundee. Celtic had to score four clear goals. We were 4 nothing up at half-time, astonishingly. Can anybody out there tell me who scored Celtic's first goal that day at Love Street? Because if you can... You win this jersey. First one that comes in gives me the first goal scorer at Love Street where Celtic beats St Mirren 5 nothing, and I'm just waiting for them coming in. We're getting some comments coming through. Uh, how dare you mention that man? <laughs> how dare you do that? Um, I can't bring that up unless it's the right answer. Can't bring it up. Uh, and it was the wrong answer anyway. So we're just waiting for it. It's a, a friend of the podcast, I think it's safe to say. Um, and I'm just looking for the first guy that got it right. Now, Brian McClure's the answer, by the way, so well done, everybody that got it. Um, Brian McClure, Chalky. In actual fact, it gives me an opportunity to tell you that we've got a brilliant interview with Chalky coming up this week on the channel that you're subscribing to to get it over 15,000 YouTube subscribers. And he shows a side to um, us again, Kevin, that we know and love, that dry sense of humour, that wit, He's talking about Celtic. He's talking about music, politics, food, the whole shebang. It's great. Uh, and we get him uh, on the Buckfast as well. So that's part of the show. So I look forward to watching that back. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I think McGrory was the first guy that came in with chalk. His name, Kevin Graham? I think it is as well. I'm just trying to go go back. Uh, because you've got Jay McKelvey who says, La Petite Merde, then McGrory comes straight in after it with McClare. So I think it is. McGrory, get in touch with us, pal. As I say, you can uh, contact me directly, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube. I just need an email address. We can start DMing and I'll get your address. That's two prizes. Now, did it work? Did we go through the 15,000? We better have. That's two jerseys we've given. Actually, somebody's unsubscribed. Cheers, guys. Right, so (laughs) moving on. Moving on. I hope it wasn't you, McGrory, or I'm not sending it out. Uh, Moving on to the restructure then, Brian. 
we talk about uh, the restructure, and Kevin mentioned earlier, not much has changed. Have we started seeing some changes in the backroom? Um, because Jack Naylor, who had previously been the head of sports science, he spent five years at the club. He left in June three months ago, um, to go to Leipzig, RB Leipzig, after five years in the role. Three months later, and we have appointed Anton McElhone um, as the head of sports science. He's got experience at Spurs, uh, New England Revolution, Bradford City, and Greenock Morton. Uh, Greenock, we've got a Greenock boy in Colin Watt on the, on the panel. And PSG's uh, Pochettino says... Uh, that he played a crucial part in the development of the team when he was at Spurs, interestingly. Hopefully this is a sign of these changes that Ange has been talking about, Kev. Hopefully. Um, I was reading an interesting article where it says Australia is at the head of sports science and that's an area that they're really far forward in. So uh, hopefully Ange has interviewed this guy and can say he can take it up to the standards that Poster Coglu was used to working with when he was when he worked in Australia with Brisbane Roar mm-hmm. and with the Australian national team. I mean, we should have a sports science. I don't know how long it takes you to actually appoint a sports scientist. I mean, Jack Naylor's been away. I mean, the fact that Jack Naylor went to Leipzig actually is a fair comment on the ability of Jack Naylor. Uh, so this guy seems to have a bit of pedigree about him. As long as he's as long as Postacoglu's rubber stamped it, I'm quite happy. Uh, I mean, you look at the Australians. You look at uh, if, I don't know if anybody's ever watched Australian rules football. How physically demanding a game that is. Mm-hmm. You look at you look at the swimmers that Australia have produced over the years. That's then they put that all down to the sports scientists. Eh? And I'm sure one of the commenters says it last week as well. An Australian comment commenter says that. Poster Coggle's been used to working with the world's best in that field. Mm-hmm. And that's how, when he came into Celtic, he highlighted that weakness because it was not the standard that he's been used to working with. So hopefully that this guy can actually start to bring us up to that standard. I hope so as well. I mean, you speak about these games like uh, the Livingston game, Brian. We're not going into a game like that blind. I mean, there's a lot of obvious things you can say about that fixture, but that that importance and that focus on these figures at a football club is at its absolute height in modern football. I mean, you've got to be able to understand the game before you enter it. You can't in-match manage the game. Um, and, and by the way, I don't think we've done that well enough. Nothing should be a surprise is what I'm trying to say. Nothing should be a surprise. And if they have a contingency or if they try something different, you should already be aware that they've done this X, Y and Z times before. And you should have your own contingent, contingency to combat it. I mean, the sports science element of it, uh, Roger Mitchell, who is quite active on Twitter, talks about it all the time. The investment in that area of football is or should be a priority for a club like Celtic. Brian, is this the, the first signs that Ange is getting, maybe not his men, but the correct positions filled at the football club? Hopefully, is the, the short answer, the really short answer. Um, I hope that this is, we're starting to see these things starting to, to take shape now and, and, and sort of become the structure. Um, so, although I think Ange should rubber stamp in most things with the club, I'm not 100% sure. I think he should have a saying who comes, but I don't think it should be like his men a lot of the ways because 
maybe no phrase that properly, but essentially what I don't want to happen is Ange leaves the clubs and takes everybody with him. And it's a mass exodus. This structure should be in place that's going to last the club regardless of who the manager is. Mm-hmm. So your, your scout system, your pathway managers, your, your sports scientists, your you know recruitment heads, uh, your director of football above that, that should almost be almost separate post the call going away. Of course, he has to say, can you do the job that I want you to do in terms of getting the players to that level of fitness? Of course, he's going to have input, but I'm not sure that I, I would especially want Ange going, right, these are the guys from Yokohama, bring them over. And then he leaves, and then they all leave, and then we're back to square one again. I think they have to sort of almost, almost cheat it separately. So I think, like we like to say, most modern clubs, Man City are a great example. They've got their director of football and all their infrastructure in place, regardless of whether it's Wardy Wall or it's in charge of whoever else. And then these leaves with him over the course of the season. We need to be following a similar mold because, as much as you, you want to say, Post Cobbler, what do you think of this guy? Ultimately, it has to be somebody else, whether that's the CEO or a director of football, make those decisions because they're the ones that have the structure we have to put in place this year, which, you know, obviously results in the park are the most important, but if you don't have a structure in place behind the scenes, mm-hmm. which is going to help inform success moving forward, we're going to be in this, this cycle all the time. And um, I think January is going to be very telling because by January, you should have a full structure in place for a few months at that stage. And if we're getting players in right away that have been identified, scouted, that come in right away, and we're not waiting till the last day of January and getting a loan signing for EPL, you start to see we're improvement now. We start to see this is the way the club are functioning. We're going to be more prepared moving forward. And that's just as important for the future of the club as the team is for the, the, the present success of the club. What was actually meaning, Brian, was that Poster Coglu had to have interviewed this guy. Yeah, This is the standard I expect. Mm-hmm. Or what's your what's your thoughts? What's your vision? Does it agree with his? Because he's the man that's there at the moment. He's the most Aye, that's important, what I mean. he's the most important person in the football club, whether you like it or not, at this precise moment in time as a manager. So he should have a say. But they haven't, I mean, they've quite clearly not went to Australia and brought somebody across that Postacoglu news knew. But as long as Postacoglu has actually been in the interview process with this fella, then we've got to say, well, that's that is the right that is the right passage of play. That, yeah, that that is the right approach without a doubt. Now today we're giving away two Axom concept jerseys. The white one is going to Mark Campbell, the green one is going to McGrory. Contact me directly, pauljohndykes at gmail.com or on the social media channels. We'll get your address and send them out. And normally if there's other stuff lying about the studio, we chuck that in the envelope as well. There's something I was going to bring up here, and I mentioned it briefly uh, after the game, but I've not been back on since since Sunday. Not because I've been hiding under a rock, just because obviously we've got the structure coming back in place at Axom. And then before you came in, Kev, I was saying that you'll be hosting as of, I think it's next week with Brian and Colin. Uh, on a Wednesday now the point I was going to make Livingston had a guy 19 year old kid who I thought played very well uh, on loan from Rangers Ben Williamson I thought he'd done really really well you know he, he was not scared to mix it up with the likes of Bolingoli or or James McCarthy uh, two guys with hell of a lot more experience than he does and it got me thinking around um, around about the time that Gary Caldwell another ex has just been appointed as the loan manager 
at Manchester City, Kev, you know, someone was talking about Brentford having a set piece manager or a set piece coach. It's just bizarre. Do you Liverpool, have somebody, Liverpool have got a throwing coach. A throwing coach. You know what I mean? You've got somebody who's on the, the tunes and vibes in the changing room. They pick the set list. I mean, it's incredible. But what I was looking at was the situation that we've we've dealt with for a long time with the loanies. Now, I'm going to say two names before I, I delve into this, right? The two names I'm going to use as shining examples are Ryan Christie and Chris Iyer. These are two guys who weren't getting first-team football at Celtic, and as part of their progression and development, they went away to teams in our division. So they're playing against the teams that we are going to be playing, that we're expecting them to play against. Uh, fixtures, pitches, approaches, the whole shebang, and it's all happening in your own backyard in our league. And I think, regardless of what you think of Ayer and Christy when they left, both of those players came back better um, as a result of their loan moves out. It doesn't always happen like that, but they're two shining examples. At this moment in time, we've got seven players out on loan. We had 19 loanees. Some of them went out for a couple of spells, but we had 19 loanees out last season. I think this is astonishing. And if you go through the years, right back, even the Tony Mowbray era, Kev, it, you know, it's a dozen, it's 15, it's 20, sometimes 22 players out on loan. It's incredible. But what's even more astonishing is the lack, the dearth of these players who are actually playing in our league. So they're getting loaned out all over the place. Uh, last season of the 19, only two of those loan deals were in our division. So the reason I'm bringing it up, you look at who's out on loan at the moment. Barry Coffey, he's playing for Cork City and he's playing very well. Jonathan Afolabi, Air United, Ross Duhan, Tranmere, Scott Robertson, Crew, Lee Griffiths, Dundee, Leo Connor, Tranmere and Luca Connell at, at Queen's Park. So one of our players is playing in our division. Now, I think it goes twofold this, this point. You've got the, the Ben Williamson scenario where you've got a young player who's actually doing damage to your rivals, right? And it's not always going to be Celtic. He'll be playing against Hibs. He'll be playing against Aberdeen and, and, and Hearts. But he won't be playing against Rangers. So it's a safe bet to get that guy out there and get him playing for a premiership club. And it doesn't matter because he's never going to damage you. But what he might do is damage the opposition. And I know you know Ben Williamson never scored a scorching 30-yard winner and all this kind of stuff, but he contributed to Livingston's win. We've got one player out of the seven this season playing in our league, and that's Lee Griffiths. And I ask myself, some of it will be the fact that some of these players might not be up to that level. I get that. I totally get that. But when you've got somebody like Scott Robertson, who's got first-team experience at Celtic, and we still look upon him as being a prospect, we hope he comes back and plays for Celtic, don't we? He's down at Crewe, and, he, and he's getting rave reports, rave reviews. And I think the same thing happened to him last season when he, he was down south. Leo Connor, a Republic of Ireland internationalist, and they loan him out to Tranmere. Ross Duhan, who's got, I think, 50 or 60 games under his belt now, we loan him to Tranmere. I think Duhan, Robertson, O'Connor, and potentially even Luke O'Connell could play for a club in our league. Are we missing a trick here, Kev? Uh, of course we are, but then that... I mean, the, the amount of players that we have... I mean, the numbers that you mentioned of the players that we've got on loan. I mean, that just shows that we haven't got any, any like pathway whatsoever. We haven't got any we haven't got any like path for these players to get into the first team. I mean strangely enough I speak to a Tranmere fan on Twitter and 
his thoughts on the two guys, the goal is decent, but Leo Connor will never play for Celtic. He says he, he's not playing well at that level. Scott Robertson, as some, somebody put in the comments here, uh, got rave reviews last year when I can't remember where he went last Doncaster. year. Doncaster. He, he, he came Possibly. back and he came back in January and wasn't yeah. seen, wasn't seen whatsoever, and he's went back down to Crew. Is the Scottish League any worse than um, what the League Crew are? Is it? It's a it's a physical, attritional style of football in those leagues, especially the Championship League One. Is it a better standard we can make out than than they would get in the Scottish Premiership? Were any of the Scottish Premiership clubs interested in them to actually take them on loan? That's another question you need to ask. When you look at the two, you mentioned the boy Williamson there, but yeah, Mid- Middleton's also on loan for Rangers to St Johnson as well. If a I think that's only only one. It is a puzzle. That is a real puzzle. We could be missing a trick here to see mm. these guys, and especially us for supporters. Let's look, let's look at it from a selfish point of view. Us as a supporter would rather see these guys in sports scene and go right. I that guy's doing well. Get him back into the team because we know that the level that they're playing at. We you look at Anthony Ralston, perfect example. Went to St Johnson and Dundee United. Never shone in any day to uh, loan deals whatsoever. You look at him now. We're we're discussing issue that came on on Sunday against Livingston. We we're not arguing that. I think it's a strange one. The loan, the loan scenario. I just think we've got too many players. You know the Ralston one. I think is a good point, Kev, because you know he come back to Celtic and certainly hadn't regressed. I'm not saying his performances were good for Dundee United or St Johnson, but he comes back and plays at the same level. I think that's what I'm getting at. It's difficult Aye. sometimes. Like Scott uh, Robertson, for example, it was chilling on. We got the rave reviews at last Don't season. Know, I think it was. He did have a spell at Doncaster. I knew they um, played at Blue, <laughs> but yeah. I couldn't remember who it was. Is League One? Yeah, it's a difficult one to say. Is League One a different, you know, a better or a lesser standard? It's it's, it's always going to be a difficult argument. There's no argument if you're playing in the division that, that Celtic are playing in. I know. Um, the other point you make, and I think it's a good one as well. You know, are they good enough to play? Um, does the club want them? I think if you've you've got somebody managed in that situation, then it's their job to make sure that these players are available to the clubs who are maybe looking for a short term loan or a one-year loan, you know, um, Livingston, obviously, you know, you look at the players they've had to bring in, Kevin, they were desperate for players uh, this season. And there'll be other clubs who are short on players and a loan deal would work for them. I mean, I mean, it's, we, we, we seem to take a cream of these talent and then they get to a certain age and we do not know what to do with them. They, they're never going to get enough first-team minutes for us. And then we just start firing them out on loan to places like Court City Crew and that. We don't seem to have a plan for these players whatsoever. And I think that's how we've seen so many players recently leave, to go elsewhere, where there there is a plan. If you're going into, for example, the Bayern Munich under-23s, you know what league that you're going to play in. You know that you're going to get developed at a high level. I like like that, Ewan Henderson. Where is he? Ewan Henderson sitting there stagnating. I think Kerr McElroy was the other player that, that Brian mentioned. He was, he was getting big, good reviews at the Pars. A lot of my mates are Pars fans. And they said, this, this guy's a great player. I mean, I know I mean, it's a different league. I know that. But, you know, he's nowhere. I mean, I'm quite glad Amy's known. But, but you look at the Colts, the Colts that are down there. Is that actually doing our players any good whatsoever? 
you look at we Moffat, Moffat's ripping it up, but he's stuck there because we can't bring him back into the into the, the first team squad because he's he's played so many games. That needs reviewed. That needs actually reviewed and ripped up. Uh, we we've wasted so much potential talent because they just haven't got games, and it needs reviewed. I'm just looking at some of the the points coming in, but what I want to do. Um, Excels playing in our league. You know, the, the, the reason is that there's no, you're not acclimatising to the standards, the pace or anything like that because you're playing in the league and these players may damage your opposition, they're not going to damage you, but we don't seem to do it that often. Last season, two of the, what did I say, 19 players were, were playing in our league and this season it's only one. Um, I don't think it's as simple, I don't think it's as black and white to say, oh, they're not good enough. There's plenty of talent in there and the crop of players we spoke about. Here's the um, one there, Paul. We need a reserve league. That's, a, that, that's, the, answer to years, Kev, that, that's the answer to all our woes. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. And the reasons why the reserve league was um, kiboshed in the first place is because I think a lot of the clubs didn't want to pay the, the rates, the going rate of running a reserve league uh, and what that cost, Kevin, which is astonishing when you look at... Mm-hmm the whole reason why it was there and uh, what's actually happened since then as well. Yeah, Held was one of the players last season that went out to Ross County, so you're spot on with that one as well. Um, when we're when we're looking um, forward and being positive, Kevin, I noticed that you've got a specific player on your T-shirt there and I think it's only right that you tell us about the developments that you announced during the week. As I say, we're going to give an extra five minutes at the end of the show because all the Wi-Fis were playing up and you were left with Mahid on your big massive screen, especially if it's a smart TV. I was watching our unplugged session on a big massive screen at the weekend and I thought to myself, wow, if I'm on that screen myself, you know, there's no hiding the grace. Anyway, Kev, Henrik Larson, tell us all about it. Well, obviously it was a great man's 50th birthday uh, this week. So in tribute to his 50th birthday, I've written 50 poems about Henrik Larson, which covers the seven years he was at, at Celtic. And it's called Seven Years of Hen- Henrik. And it's going to be out extremely soon. Uh, it, covers all the, it covers all the big hits, as, as, as uh, for the want of a better word. Uh, even if you didn't like poetry and you loved Henrik Larson, you're going to love this book because I've written it for the point of view of people who didn't like poetry. So I've covered a lot of if if you were at certain if you were at the six two game if you were in Seville if you were in a semi final in Boa Vista I want to capture you and take you back there and take you back to your own memories and hopefully I, I do I do that or hopefully I, I trigger other memories that you have it also deals with other other issues like. Uh, Hero worship, religion, how how football clubs have become greater in religion and stuff like that. So there is some themes down there, but otherwise it's just a tribute to the greatest football player I'll ever see. Be careful what you say about uh, football and religion. They might start burning your records, Kev. Now, tell us what the name of the book is. Seven Years of Henrik. And tell us who inspired the artwork. The artwork and the title has actually been inspired by a band called The Twilight Sad. Mm-hmm. They released an EP called The Seven Years of Letters. And when I saw it, I went, hmm, I can, I can actually uh, steal that. 
<laughs> I, I can use that. So the front cover is, is inspired by that and the title's inspired by that. And the band who have got no Celtic connections whatsoever, uh, Andy and James from the band, James supports Aberdeen, Andy is a Man United fan, allowed us to do it. Yeah, and it's going to be a, a, you know how you get the quotes on the back of books, like unmissable five stars. There is a Twilight Sad quote from mm-hmm. one of the band members. Tell us what the quote is, Kev. Uh, who the F is Kevin Graham? <laughs> <laughs> and it was a real quote because I've seen the text. Um, now, Terence Pat, where can you get it? How is it getting published? It's getting published via State of Mind Publishing. Brilliant. And, Love it. And it will be, at the moment, it's at the designer and who was who was working on it very quickly. Hopefully me and Paul can get it to a printer ASAP mm-hmm. and it'll, all your Christmases are sorted. And we can maybe even get back out on the road, Kev, because that's something we were doing a, a fair yes, bit before uh, the lockdown, isn't it? Yes. Get I, out uh, and meet people, do Axom events, get out there, have the book there, all that kind of stuff, yeah? I'm, I'm looking forward to a wee book tour. Didn't you consider? I thought you missed a trick. I know that you had the whole Twilight Sad thing, but remember the Rolling Stones had a greatest hits called 40 Licks. Yes. Emmett Larson, Big Tongue, 50 Licks. Well, Maybe that's one, volume two, yeah? Well, one of the illustrations in the book does hark to that, Paul. Mm-hmm. So, we did, so we did use it in a type, type of way. Look, it's a, it's a Celtic book. It celebrates Henrik Larson. It's just done in a different pose style. Brilliant, love it. And and it is for everybody. If you remember Henrik Larson, and, and it's done from the, the point of view of an, an an older person sitting a young guy in front of him telling him about Henrik Larson. So it's done it's done it's done like that, eh? So And it's not a scud book for the younger viewers, ask no. your dad. <laughs> right. Now we've given away two prizes today. Uh Mark Campbell wins the St. Etienne Celtic Axome Concept jersey. And McGrory, a long-time viewer, wins the Love Street-inspired Axome Concept jersey. I mentioned earlier on we wanted 15,000. You've given us it. Don't unsubscribe now, all right, as you did earlier. That was a bit cheeky. I think you just done it to annoy me, and now you've come back in. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, we accept you. It's fine. Uh, but also, I was saying earlier on, there's a group down in London. I'll get all the details. I'll fire it on the social media. They're looking for Green and White Hoops to play. They meet up a couple of times a week, and it's really to benefit those who are suffering from mental health. So there's a community aspect to it. There's also the physical um, fitness aspect and the mental fitness aspect to it as well. They want to wear the green and white hoops. We're going to send them some of our jerseys down, Kev. And if you've got any spares kicking about, ladies and gents, get in touch with me, get in touch with Kev, Brian, anybody at Axom. We'll gather them up, stick them in a box, send them down so they can wear the green and white hoops. That's what it's all about. All that's left for me to say, what a show that was, eh? Tricky start, but it got good in the end. Hopefully that's the story of Celtic season, as I said before. Is Thank you to everybody for getting involved. We're streaming right across all the social media channels that we can possibly find. If there are any others and we're not aware of them, tell us and we'll set up an account and we'll put it out there as well. Uh, but thank you also to Kevin Graham and Brian Degnan for joining me on a Celtic State of Night.
message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.